Become a sales titan. And I got one right in front of me, Xavier, on his way to becoming the sales titan he wants to be and making the big money. And Xavier booked me for a one-on-one, and here we are a day later, two days later. So I appreciate the business, Xavier. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Tell us your name. Tell us about yourself, maybe what dealership you work at, if you want to. Yes, sir. Uh, So my name is Xavier Aranda. Um, I'm currently residing in Houston, Texas. The dealership I work at is Tomball Ford. It's in uh, Northwest Houston. Um, I'm primarily in the the pre-owned department. So that's where I primarily make my sales. I've only been in the game for about six months, but I've been trying to stay strong. Um, I think within that period, I've sold um, quite a bit for newbie, I would hope to say, you know, don't want to, you know, knock (laughs) myself down. But um, and here I am just trying to be like everybody else that tries to reach out to Kyle, be a better version of myself, be a better salesman, be a sales titan. That's right. Man, it it means a lot when I see salespeople trying to get better, Xavier. And, you know, the guys at your dealership can take you so far. Your managers can take you so far. But it's up to you to really dig deep and find the good training. And and whether it's for me or another podcast or another trainer, at least you're out there trying to mix it up and learn some new angles. Um, So six months in the business, how do you like it so far? It's been a wild ride. I would say there's definitely more good than bad. Um, I've met so many different types of people doing it. Uh, and I've learned not just um, a whole bunch about the the business itself, but um, my hiring manager, he saw potential in me that I myself did not even see. So I'm still learning a lot about myself as well and what I'm capable of. So it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Very, very cool. Now, are you seeing success in any particular types of customers or clientele that you're like, hey, I do better with these type of people versus others? Um, it's funny because my hiring manager, who is no longer at my dealership, he told me every sale is going to be different. Every customer is going to be different. And to this day, it is still very much true. No sale is the same. No customer is the same. And I'm still learning to adjust and and move and work as I go with whichever clientele comes my way because you just never know. Yeah, we do have to adapt on the fly instantly. Yes. Uh, the, the some of the the sharpest salespeople I've ever met in my life have been car salespeople because we're constantly practicing with customers. I mean, you get a fresh up, boom. This is practice. This is me getting better at my craft. You get another fresh up. You know, real estate agents don't have customers knocking down at their door all the time. They're not always talking face-to-face with people. Car salespeople are. You know, door-to-door salespeople are. They're constantly sharpening their tools. So some of the the most talented salespeople I've ever met are car salespeople. And the more you care about your craft and your career, the better you're going to get. And Xavier's limit is is limitless really like your hiring manager said there's a lot of potential he can see a lot more in you in you than you can because you're in the corn maze you're in the maze you are a salesperson looking through salesman eyes you can't see up above eventually you will if you become a sales manager or finance manager you'll get to look back and be like wow okay i could have done that a little different could have done that because now you're out of that corn maze 
but at least you're navigating through it. So I'm proud of you for for uh, it only being six months in the business trying to get better. And, and it will pay off. Xavier, it will pay off. You just keep learning and keep learning. Uh, I've used this analogy before about Conor McGregor before he got his whiskey company and all that stuff. But when he was climbing the ranks of the UFC, he talked about being obsessed with MMA, being obsessed with this game. And he became a double champ because he was truly obsessed with getting better at MMA, fighting, wrestling, all these different things in his arsenal. And he became a double champ. Well, Xavier can be a double champ if you continually become obsessed with your career and and feed yourself mentally. The strongest up here are also the strongest sellers. So uh, keep doing what you're doing and uh, the sky is the limit. OK, let's go over the topics. You sent me some good ones because they're tough. They're more. They advanced. are. There have been times where I've dealt with everything I've sent you and I always try to just think back and I'm like, man. How could I have done this differently? Or man, how could I have approached it to them where they stayed at my desk and I could have just, you know, nailed the sale right then and there. But sometimes I get stumped, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I tell my sales guys this at work because I don't want anybody to feel like, like there's a hundred percent closing ratio. There isn't. There's going to be a percentage of people that no matter what you say, no matter how many people come and help you, got my closing manager, got my desk manager, I got other salesperson, they still leave. You have to look at their true intentions of coming in. Were they even buying in the first place? If I've had if I've had 150 years of car dealership experience, try to help me close this deal. And this guy still walks. What What's the real reason? So there will be a percentage of customers that that aren't buying that day. I'm not saying they're not closable. But don't beat yourself up on that small percentage that leaves. Move mm -hmm. on. Learn from that experience. There's a commission in experience from those people that leave. So here's your topics. Closing on payment. Payment-driven customers that won't budge. Trust me, we'll, we'll make them budge. The second one was closing trade value. They won't budge from a KBB quote or a CarMax appraisal. I get those too. Switch okay. Another the third topic: switching units, possibly because a unit of interest was sold. Uh, it was a demo, a demo vehicle. Is that what you were saying? Or they went on the demo drive and maybe they noticed something that um, on the mechanical side, gotcha. and they're like, "Oh, it feels like it's it needs an alignment," or "Or I feel like a check engine light's going to come on pretty soon." Gotcha. Or I just don't like the way it drove. Okay, that's fair enough because you are selling a lot of pre-owned vehicles. And no mm -hmm. vehicle is perfect. It yes. was perfect <laughs> at one point when it was brand new. And mm -hmm. then um, and ended up not favoring the vehicle. So they ended up not really liking it. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Okay. And yes. then the fourth topic was prospecting on equity leads and CRM, making the calls to get the appointment. I have a new hire at my dealership that's been selling for five days now. And his, his second car deal was an internet lead. That he turned around and said, hey, Kyle, uh, this guy wants all this money for his trade. I think he's upside down. I mean, four days in the job, he already knows he's upside down. Like, I'm like, don't worry about any of that. You get him to your desk and I'll step in and I'll help you close it. All right. All right. He turned around after about 10 minutes and said, I got an appointment. I'm like, that's all I need to hear. Just get him to your desk. He did his job, got him to the desk. Guess what? We sold it. He was upside down. But we wiggled some numbers and made him happy, and, and he ended up leaving. You have to sell the appointment, not the car on the phone. And we'll get, we'll do that on 
the last one. So let's start with the the uh, the customers. I got my notes over here. So if I'm looking over here, I'm looking at my notes. Okay. Uh, closing on payment. Where have you had a challenge with these people? And how often are you having a challenge with customers that won't budge? If I had to give it a ratio, I'm going to say around, around more than half, at least 60% of my customers, they, um, they'll always pitch to me, hey, you know what? I'm paying X amount for my current car. I just do not want to stray too far from that amount. You know, but then sometimes they don't realize that vehicle that they're inquiring on is much more well kept, much more newer than what they're currently driving. So, of course, more money is made to be spent. So it's kind of hard sometimes for me to convince them, whether it be MPG that's going to be better or just it's it's tough trying to show them the value of why they're investing the payment that they are, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, well, there's there's a lot of little techniques we're going to. Co cover right here um and i'm going to use I, I there's obviously more there's in every category of a salesperson's you know issues and objections there's a lot of ways to overcome it but these are the ones i used to use that were successful for me and you touched on one um so closing on payment the customer doesn't want to budge let me ask you this xavier let's get you be the customer and you say you only want to be at 600 bucks a month tell me well, Kyle, I'm currently paying this amount and I want a $600 payment on that brand new F-250. Gotcha. 600 bucks. So, so yes, I want a 600 payment. So what you're telling me, if it's, if it's a dollar more than a, than 600, you're not buying it. I can make a stretch for a dollar more. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> you could come to the dealership. I'll pay the buck once a month. You know, it's worth, it's worth having a new friend, right? Right. What if you're saying so you won't budge on the 600? Is that basically what you're saying is you don't want to budge from the 600? I do not. I oh. want to stay within the 600 region. Hey, I got you, man. I, we all have our own budgets and, and I totally get it. What if my manager came back and said it was 450? Would you budge then? I and my other, and my customers would absolutely budge. Yes. Yeah. So so customers will budge. They want to budge lower, of course. Of course, yes. Right? but they never want to budge higher. But the fact of the matter is what I'm doing here, because I've used that before. I, I set them up. So you're, you're telling me you're not budging from 600 because they have no idea I'm going to come in and say, well, what if my boss says 490? Oh yeah, I'll budge. So it instantly shows me customers will always budge. So remember that, that if you take anything away from this little section, customers will always budge if the value is there. Have you heard me use my Lamborghini analogy? I don't think I, because I remember you were working with Maseratis. Yeah. But so here's Lamborghini. No. Here's my Lamborghini analogy. I use this on a customer one time. It's all about setting people up, you know, and, and not doing trickster stuff, but you know, setting them up to show them that they what they're saying doesn't make sense, because they will budge on a on a vehicle. So here's my my analogy. If I have a customer and, and I know I'm not getting to to $400 a month. There's just no way. I'm I'm at 550. I got an approval. It's a great rate. It's $150 more a month. Over 84 months, that's, you know, $8,000 or more off the vehicle. So I know I don't have a deal. So I'm now I'm playing playing little mind games to see if I can get them to budge or at least get them to 
admit that they will budge. And I said this one time to a customer and I've used it since. I don't use it very often, but it, I, I just wanted to test the waters. Hey, I got an idea. My boss just told me that we have a brand new Lamborghini that just came in and he was able to get you to 600 bucks a month. I know you want to be at 400 bucks a month, but with the same amount of down payment, he can get you to 600 bucks a month. Would you take it? Well, yeah, of course I would take it. Oh, so you all of a sudden you got 200 more bucks in your budget? Because it's a value thing. It's value. It's not budget. It's value. What? Okay, I, I got a crazy idea. Um, and you can use, you don't have to use a Lamborghini. You, you can use a Ford. Hey, I can't get you to that 400 bucks a month on this F-150, but my boss said he can get you a brand new F-250, diesel, everything, fully loaded for 600 bucks a month. Yeah, it's 200 bucks more than than you wanted, but look at what you're getting. Would you take that? Well, yeah. They're going to say yes. Of course mm -hmm. they will, because the value is there. So here's here's the part that can sting a salesperson a little bit. But I've gone through this too is if you're running into customers that won't budge off their budget more often than not. Now, if you get one every 15 or 20, the guy that won't budge, fair enough, that's a normal stat. But if half of your customers are saying, no, that's that's it, that's it, then, it, then you have to look inward, Xavier, at you. Why is it that half of my customers are always such sticklers on payment, but that sales guy doesn't have that problem? Am I just getting these customers? Am I the attractor? Or is it something in my verbiage, something in my value building, something in my process that I need to change to get these people to realize before I get to the desk that this payment is going to be more? And and it's it's a trust thing, getting them to trust you. It's uh, being that professional uh, person, you know, the, the uh, advisor to them. When they ask you what my payment will be on the lot, what do you think my payment will be? Don't be shy to throw out a huge number. They're not going to blow out of the, the dealership. Yeah, I just sold one like this yesterday. It was 650 payment. Oh, no, I can't afford that. I can't afford it. I want to be at 400 bucks a month. Then you might be looking at the wrong vehicle. We might need to find you something that's that's uh, in your payment budget range. And, and point at a different vehicle that, of course, they don't want. They want that one. Well, if you want that one, then before we go in, you need to have a mental preparedness that the payment is going to be higher. So what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm, become, I'm a professional advisor setting them up for success, not for failure. I'm not so desperate to get them in the showroom and say, well, I think we could get your payments around the same because I'm just trying to get them in. But I'm using a tactic that's that's cheap. I'm not using a real sales tactic that's that's uh that's that has a true value to it. I'm using the of course someone would follow you in if I if I said the F450 would be 400 bucks a month. I get you the same payment on this truck. It's a cheap way to get them in, and then you set the whole deal up for failure. So Xavier, what you need to do is start looking inward of why do half of my customers always are payment sticklers or, you know, 60% or 40%, whatever it is, if it's higher than one every 20, then we need to look inward and see how much value building and trust you actually are doing. So that goes, that goes into those steps before the, the, the payment in the close. Where do you feel like, Hey, I could get better at the needs assessment. I could get better at the building rapport. I could get better in my walk around. I can get better in my test drive. 
So that way they actually see the value because if if I had an F250 at 600 bucks a month, they would jump up 200 bucks a month like that. Mm-hmm. The budget will always be broken. So that's just kind of a tip one, look inward of where, and, and you'll notice this on the lot, like, okay, what was Kyle talking about? Okay, I, I got to stay away from these particular word tracks because if I say the same thing, I'm going to get the same outcome. Right? Right. So if half your customers are are, are payment sticklers, not everyone is on uh, an engineer mindset budget. That's true. That is very true. Because guess what? They'll buy your car at 400 bucks a month. They'll go spend 200 bucks at the mall and shoes like that. So that is very true. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That is true. That is true. So, so what I said earlier is know that all your customers will budge. You just have to find the real object objection of why they're unwilling to budge from it. So let's break down some more of these things here. Okay. So the budget breakdown, this is one I used. If you have good rapport with with somebody, let's say it's me and you, Xavier, and I have good rapport with you. I feel like we have good rapport already after 15 minutes here. Xavier, I understand you're saying you can't afford the 600 bucks and you want it to be at 400 bucks a month. But my bank, who deals in zillions of dollars a year, deals with these people, customers from across the U.S., is saying you can't afford it. So based on your income, based on your rent or mortgage, based on all these things, the bank approved you for this truck. So if the bank knows you can afford it, I know you can afford it, then let's break down the actual budget and see if you can't afford it. If we go through your budget and you're in the negative, don't buy the truck. Don't buy it. But if we go through the the, the budget more times often than not, you can afford it. It's just you got to stretch your mindset that I can't. 200 bucks a month extra? Are you kidding me? That's that's four stops to the pizza place a month, or that's one nice dinner out a month. So what I used to do is write it down. Let's break it down. If I have good rapport, Xavier, what's your what's your rent? Oh, it's eighteen hundred bucks a month. Okay, what da 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 da? And I go through it, and at the end, if we cut out some of these extras, you can afford your truck, no problem. So the the fuel economy thing that you mentioned earlier. Great tactic. It's a great tactic. I have used that once. I have. Once or twice. (laughs) Now, the once or twice, you probably had decent rapport with the people where you could kind of break break it down. So you need to start building that kind of rapport and trust with everybody. And after six months, you're still learning. So don't beat yourself up. Give, Give yourself a pat on the back saying that I'm doing a darn good job, especially after. Yes, I'm serious. After six months. I'm doing a pretty darn good job. You can't go from being hired to sales titan. It's a progress and you're going to have some yep. ups and downs, but the trajectory always needs to be going upward. You have a dip. That's okay, but I'm still heading upward. Okay. So remember that. Give yourself a little bit of a break. So you did the budget. Here's another one that you can use. Cars aren't getting any cheaper. Mr. Customer, if you bought this truck eight years ago, what do you think your payment would be? It'd be 400 bucks a month where you want it to be. And you're saying, I'm going to have to wait till I can afford more. That's not how it works. The the cheapest version of this payment on this vehicle is right now at 600 bucks a month. If you wait three months, it's 620. You wait six months, it's 650. If you wait a year, it's 700. 
So what what you could do right now is capture the lowest payment, the lowest version payment right now, which is a little out of the budget, but we've already calculated it's not. And you can start paying that balance down because if you wait a year, you're going to start fresh at a higher price. Whereas a whole year has gone by of you making payments. Look at that gap from buying in one year to all the payments you've made. It's a $20,000 gap. Like you got to get this ball rolling now and you do some sense of urgency. Sometimes, sometimes I will along the same lines of that. Um, they want a specific payment. So I'll lay it out for them and they will say, okay, I still want this payment on a 72 month term. And I'm like, okay, well, if you want X term at more than more times than often, they'll have a discrepancy at the end of their term. And I'm like, you got to work with me here because I still have money owed at the payment you want. And that that has worked a couple of times because they're like, okay, you know what? I got to pay the money that I need to be able to get this vehicle. Yeah. So when you so, have, no, you're doing a great job. So when you have customers that say, hey, I want to be at 600 bucks a month on this truck, then you can say something like, so you've done your research. Well, yeah, I've done my research. I want to be at 600 bucks a month. Okay, let's go work your deal. And you come back at 750. So you go, okay, you said you did your research. I'm at 750 a month for uh, 72 months, like you said, and you wanted to be at 600. So that $150 a month gap, what did you account for that down payment or trade in? Like you put it back on them. At what point did you tell yourself, I can buy this truck at 600 bucks a month? What equation? Show me that equation. Then I can have my manager pencil it how you decided 10,000 down this rate. Oh, well, I didn't do that. So where did that $600 come from? Was it just a gut feeling? Was it something that you bought in the past and you figured? Or did you not account for how much vehicles are nowadays? Or did you think the dealership had $8,500 that just can go to you? Because I assure you that's not the case. And then you can go back into being a salesman because now we've educated them and we showed them that their, their, their research is wrong. 600 bucks a month, this thing's 750. Where did you come up with the 600? Show me. And now how can we make up the difference? Did you have the down payment? Because my boss said it takes 8,500 bucks to get you to that. Did you account for that? And you're putting them on their heels. You're asking them questions. You're being that professional advisor that says, okay, show me, show me how you got there. Without being rude, of course, we still, we still yeah. built, we built a lot of rapport with these people and you can joke around with them. Xavier, you said 600, I'm at 750. Where did you mess up on your math? <laughs> you know, I mean, always got to have that delivery because you don't want to deliver it in a rude way because they're going to exactly. feel just like, yeah. Yeah, we still are professional. We're still trying to make a car deal. So okay. when I'm talking to you, professional, professional, this is, I'm trying to get a point across. But with them, how I would say it would be like, okay, I'm at 750 over here based on the truck you picked out. You said 600. I'm, where's this 150? When you were doing your math, where did how did you account for that? Like you just asking questions. Remember, the person that asked the questions have the control has the control of the conversation. So when you ask questions, they answer to you. You're the authority. How did you come up with 600? Now that doesn't bump them to 750. You still have a battle on your hands, mm -hmm. but this gets them thinking of yeah, what what was I thinking? Well, what would five thousand down get me? I don't have ten thousand. Uh, gets me six fifty. All right, let's do the deal. Okay, so we're gonna keep moving on here. The other one uh, I want to talk about is, and I've used this before too. It's not a payment problem. 
it's a budgeting issue. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. What can you cut out of your life to be able to buy that shiny vehicle out there? You're saying you can't afford it. The banks are saying, yes, I have a vice. It's called energy drinks and coffee. If I cut that out, I can go buy a brand new car. If someone were to say, Xavier, that new brand new uh, Ford Raptor is going to cost you all your fast food, your energy drinks, and your coffee every month. You can't have it, but I'm going to hand you that Raptor. What would you say? Let me cut out. Let me get some healthier eating habits and get this raptor. <laughs> right? It's a it's Man. it's a budgeting issue, not a payment issue. You can afford the raptor. It's it's yeah. what you're spending your money on. If someone told me, Kyle, no more coffee. You got to drink the free dealership coffee. No more energy drinks. Yeah. Okay, that's costing you six hundred bucks a month, but you're going to get a raptor. Okay, done. I don't need any of that. I want the keys to that raptor. You put it in a perspective with these customers that they can afford it. And all customers are willing to budge if the value is there. Okay. Yes, very true. Now, you know, the, you know this one about you can refinance it later when the interest yep. rate comes down. There's going to be those ones that, that are kind of the, the always go-to. But the ones that really work is when I can talk to you, Xavier, man-to-man, advisor, professional, to customer and say, listen... I know you want to be at 600 bucks a month, but this is what it costs to buy this vehicle. Whether you buy it from us or another Ford store, this is what it costs per month. When you see these vehicles on the road, they're paying 750 a month. That that's what everyone's paying. So if you want to get story that, of my life, yeah, with Broncos, to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if if you want to get that vehicle, this is what it costs. And I know you can afford it. Now, before you say yes or no, because you're looking at this bottom line, let me get the exact interest rate. Let me get the exact term. Let's weigh out some options and see if we can make it affordable for you. Okay, fair enough. And then that's when I would go into getting, you know, 60, 72, 84 months, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, I'm, and now I'm trying to figure out a way to bump this guy. There's lots of trainers out there that do the hard closes, you know, like, you know, they get in their face and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, okay, that might work, but is that getting me better? Just bullying someone into a car deal? Will, will they ever come back? I mean, just based on what I've seen at the end of the day, not only are you a salesman, but you are, are people want to buy from people who they're familiar with. Right. So you're, also, in a sense, I guess, being their friend, too. Mm -hmm. so, so if you're not their friend, they're not going to want to come back to you. Yeah. So, and, and Xavier, yeah. learn to have that confidence when you're talking with the customers. Because yeah. if they detect a chink in your armor, you're going to lose them. They're, you're not believable if you if you blink the wrong way, if you sneeze the wrong way and they detect. I don't think this guy's being genuine. But if you look at them and you're like, listen... This is what it costs to drive this vehicle. And I know you can afford it. It's not a budget problem or it's not a payment problem. It's a budgeting issue. You know, and you go through some of these things we talked about, Xavier, and you look them in the eye and you show them. If you see this vehicle on the road, that's what the, it costs to buy it. And in the longer you wait, the worse it gets. If you bought this F-150 10 years ago, your payment would be 400. If you wait another year, instead of it being 750, it's going to be 850 or it won't be in stock or they're going to force you into electric. This is the time to get the best deal possible. The longer you wait, the worse it gets. So let's figure out 
how we can make this affordable for you, whether it's you putting more money down or maybe us going an extra year on the term. And so you can take this vehicle home and and get this behind you, because I assure you, if you wait, it only will get worse. Look at Bitcoin 10 years ago. Bitcoin was two cents a, a coin or whatever the number was. If you would have bought uh, $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, you'd be a billionaire right now. But here we are, and now it's more expensive. So now I can't even afford one coin, right? The longer you wait, the things get more expensive. It, it, and you're looking them at the eye, and you're being that professional, Xavier. You'll sway them. The only way that works is if you did those steps ahead of time really well and built value in yourself, and you built a friend, and they actually see the value in that vehicle, okay? Get them to absolutely fall in love with you and the vehicle. And you'll start seeing less people that are stuck on the budget. I promise you. Okay. Any questions on that one? No, you've made lots of points. Yeah. I want to take notes. I do, but then. Don't worry about it. (laughs) You're going to watch this over and over. Right, right. Yeah, that's why we do this. So you can watch it because notes, when I write notes, it's like, okay, what what did he actually mean when I wrote that? Like the the inflection and the the professionalism and the power. When you get to that level, Xavier, where you have the power and authority, you'll sell anybody. You'll be able to move mountains with your with your words and you'll be able to close people that you never thought you could close before. Like I just closed a multimillionaire full price on this brand new F450 and he asked for money off and I didn't give him a penny because I had him fall in love with me, the truck, the process. Just like his business, he gets all the money because he's a professional. Mr. Customer, the reason why you're a millionaire is because you get all the money on your product. That's what I'm trying to do. Let me get mine. Those people appreciate people that have some cojones and say that kind of stuff. All right. Fair enough. I'm going to put 50 G's down. Let's do this. Wrap it up. Bring the paperwork to my office. All right. I'll see you there. You better have some coffee ready for me. When you can start talking like that with the power, but you're not being rude, you're being a professional, you will start moving mountains and you'll become the number one guy at your dealership with that confidence. Okay. Knowledge gives you confidence. Confidence allows you to be convincing. All right, close it on trade value. The customer won't budge from KBB or CarMax. Of course they won't, right? So many times I've, oh my God, I've had to explain to them that just, I because I know how KBB makes their money and I know how they get traffic flowing onto their website. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always had to try to explain to them, like, look, I cannot give you KBB. There was one time where I was so intense with the customers just going back and forth. I was like, you know what? We'll give you KBB for your trade. Give me KBB from a vehicle that you want to buy from me. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, they didn't agree. But. Well, of course. Um, we, <laughs> but we, we, we eventually met some middle ground. I made a sale that day. So yeah. it's it just it more oftentimes than, than it should take. It, it does get a little tough to get them to budge from KBB. Or CarMax. I've had more problems with CarMax than KBB. Yeah. Uh, We we all battle with that. We all battle. It's a market share thing. CarMax is trying to get theirs. KBB is trying to get theirs. You're trying to get yours. It's business. Embrace it, man. This is good because every victory you get over KBB and CarMax is like, I'm bigger than these guys. These words won over CarMax and, and KBB. The KBB one we run across all the time. Totally get it, Mr. Customer. 
Uh, KBB has a kind of a, a generic breakdown of your of your vehicle, and they're going to try to put the highest number possible so you keep using them. I, I get it. And they want to give their customers some power. Totally get it. And my manager's appraisal is over here because he actually saw your vehicle. It needs tires. I'm not bashing your car. It has a scratch. We have to do a detail. Um, it has a little scuff at the bottom there. So if you take what they want, versus the stuff that we do, this is where we come up with this number. Now, if KBB wants to buy your vehicle, let's call them. Oh, wait. They don't <laughs> buy vehicles. But they love you visiting their website. Okay. So the KBB is a little bit easier because, and here's another tactic you can use is, listen, I understand that the trade value that I have for my manager, you don't like. I've been in the car business all these years. I've yet to come out with an appraisal and a customer jump jumps for joy. It's happened zero times. 24 years in the car business. No one has jumped for joy on this. But where they do jump for joy is when they allow me to do the rest of my job, figure out the payment, the terms, the interest rate. And I promise you, if at the end of all that, you like those numbers, you can buy the vehicle. If you don't like the numbers and payment and interest rate, you can tell me to pound sand. But let me finish my job and put it, uh, put the whole deal together, and then you tell me yes or no. Because if if you're an educated buyer, which I feel like you are, Mister Customer, you want to see all the information before you say yes or no. You don't want to just say the trade and then leave. That's a long waste of time. Let's look at the whole deal as a whole, and then tell me yes or no. That gets you the credit app. That gets you the approval. Next thing you know, you can tell them. Listen, the bottom line on my worksheet with your trading and your payoff, this number. No one likes that number. It's always too big to, to 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 deal with. But check this out. I got the payment you wanted. You hate this, but you love that. Which one are you going to write a check for every month, right? And you you can start swaying their brain away from that trading value to that payment. So do your best on trade-ins to tell them, especially with KBB and, and CarMax. You can say, we aren't always the best deal in town. We're not. If we were the best deal in town, then there would be no other dealership. Sometimes we get beat. But that's where I hope you see value in me, Xavier, as a salesperson. Working hard, finding the right vehicle, making sure it meets all your wants and needs. Yeah, the trade-in sucks, but look at all these beautiful things that, that are positive. Let's not focus on the one negative. Let's focus on all the positives. Your family loves it. It's got the DVD. It says this. Do we need to go test drive it again? Or are we still hung up on the trade? Let me finish doing my job and figure out all the numbers, and then you can tell me yes or no. Fair enough? And I've used that a ton of times. I acknowledge that sometimes we're not the best in town. Hey, if we were the best in town, then there would be no other dealership. Everyone would just come here, right? I mean, sometimes I've had to I've had to shoot that out there. I, I have to be like, okay, well, if it's really that much, if it means that much to you, then you will have to either go to CarMax or figure out how you're going to outright sell it because yeah. maybe we have to factor out your trade so that we can get this vehicle that you want. Yeah. And, so, and what you do there, it's a good one. You pull the trade out of it. How about you do this? Let's sell, go sell it to Car CarMax for that number they gave you because they said it'll do it and you buy our vehicle. They're going to have the, when you do something like that, what you're looking for is the real objection. Well, I can't do that because I owe too much. Ah, 
There's why they're at the dealership and they didn't sell it. There's why they're fighting for more on their trade because they're six grand flipped. And they couldn't sell it to CarMax because they don't have six grand to get them out of the flip. So they're looking to trade it in. So now we found the real objection. Mr. Customer, everyone's upside down. I have a Tacoma. I have the title in my hand in my desk. I'm upside down. Everyone's upside down. So let's do this. Before you tell me to pound sand, let me get you the payment. Let me see if we can get you out of that vehicle properly, get you all the all the, the right protection. And if you like the payment, you can buy it. If you don't like the payment, you can leave. And you get back to the, the real thing. So now we flushed out the objection, okay? Because why would they go to CarMax, get the buy bid, and then leave? They went to go sell it. They realized they're six grand flip. They can't sell it to them. They have to, CarMax said, well, you have to trade it in if you don't got six grand. Now you have the control again because you found out they're six grand flipped. Let me work your deal, Xavier, before you tell me yes or no. How, can, how could a customer say no to that? Really, you made it make so much logical sense. Are you an educated buyer, Xavier? I would like to think. <laughs> yes, yeah. I am. You're an educated buyer. And for you to yeah. be an educated buyer, you have to have all the information, correct? You Which can't. Is usually what they come prepared with. Yeah. You can't yeah. make a, a complete decision based off half the information. If we stop at your trade, then you only have half the information to make an educated decision. Let me finish my job. I hope you like me enough to at least give me 10, 15 more minutes of your time to figure out exactly what it takes to buy our vehicle. And when I say stuff like, and if you like it, you can buy it. If you don't, tell me to pound sand. I'm giving them a, a minute loophole to, to say no. But if they give me their credit and, and I've shopped and I get a good rate and I get a payment that's affordable, they don't even realize they're buying the car. Okay, so I'm going to read some of my notes and then we can go to the next one. If they like you, if they like or love you enough, the bottom line matters much less. Okay, the other thing we said, I don't rep represent those other companies, whether they're higher or lower. I can only represent my dealership. And this is the number we have on your vehicle. Let me work around it. You don't like it. No one likes it. Let me work around it. And then you can always offer them to sell it to KBB. It's kind of a rhetorical question. You're kind of being snarky, but it's a reality check. KBB doesn't buy vehicles. They're a third-party opinion. Of course, they're going to put a giant number on your trade. They want you to come back to their website over and over and over. I got it. That's how every dealership, every company wants people going to their website. It's 101, okay? And then why, why did they leave uh, CarMax? Why are they not trying to sell it on the street with KBB numbers? It's because there's a real objection in there, and most likely they're upside down in it. They don't have the money. So when you have this uh, KBB or CarMax appraisal, remember, we're not the best in town every time. It, you can admit it. We can talk. We're human beings. We can talk, Mr. Customer. We're not always the best, but let me work the rest of my deal and see if I can make it affordable for you. I've never had a customer jump for joy on the trade value. It's never happened. I no. I use that so many so much, and they instantly get over the trade appraisal. Instantly. They allow me to move on from the trade instead of stopping me in my track. Well, you'll have to do better than that. I want 15 for my trade. You're only giving me 12. 
Totally get it. I've never had a customer jump for joy. But let me put it in a full picture so you can make an educated decision on whether you want to buy it or not. If you if you don't like the payment and you don't like the trading value, you don't like the interest rate, don't buy it. Simple as that. But if I come back and everything's perfect but the trade value, then let's look at all the good and 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 try to make a car deal. Let's find a solution to this problem. Okay? It's a good way to approach it. Trying to outweigh the good and yeah. See if okay. it outweighs the bad. Yep. Um, let's see, we're good on time. We got about 15, 20 minutes left. All right, switching units. So when you test drive a vehicle, now that I know you're primarily pre-owned and, and there's a weird knock in the car or something like that, do you have a, the ability to to pull it to one of your service bays and have a tech look at it? I do. I unfortunately, and sometimes this has made me lose out on a sale. Um, unfortunately, I only have two techs back there. And sometimes the, those two techs get slammed by not just us, but they get slammed by a new car. They get slammed by the service drive. Gotcha. So it, it gets a little tough for them to try to get to things right away. And um, it, it's just sometimes I can't I try to tell them, like, look, I got a sale I'm trying to make. Um, can you get to this vehicle as soon as you can? Because like a customer wants to buy it. Yeah. But there's a check engine light that's on before it was frontline ready. So what's going on? You know, like. Right. OK, so we we have five hundred and like 13 vehicles in stock pre-owned at my dealership. There's check engine lights all over the place just based on percentages. 500 vehicles, you're going to have check engine lights. So what I have in my office is a code reader so I can at least check what is the check engine light. Is it an O2 sensor? Is it a, uh, you know, does it have the hemi tick? You know, the the exhaust manifolds are ticking because if the engine's cold, then it warms up and then it goes away. Is it a, you know, a fuel problem? That's why I have a, a, a code reader. So you might want to invest in a code reader, even if it's a basic one from parts, because you can you can at least check, okay, it's an O2 sensor. It's a couple hundred bucks. And then you can start learning. If you're in the used car business, you're going to have to embrace some of the ugly. And some of the ugly is check engine lights and a weird sound. And if you can start learning about pre-owned vehicles and some of these sounds, then you can build some confidence that you know what you're talking about. And you can't, you don't have to rely on a tech diagnosing it. Shoot, I, I do this for a living. Let me grab my code reader out of my office, plug it in. Okay, it's, it's reading PO602 or whatever. Let's Google it. Oh, it's an O2 sensor. No problem. That's not detrimental. We'll get that handled. I'll make sure my manager knows about it. I'll bring them out and then we can at least put it on paper. Other than the check engine light, is there anything that would stop you from buying this vehicle? Nope, that's it. Okay, then let's do this, Mr. Customer, because I don't want to waste your time. This is precious time that you allotted to come here. Let's work the rest of the numbers based on that check engine light being fixed. And if you like the numbers and you like that, I will lock down this vehicle. We can put a deposit or we can sign for it even, knowing that my boss is going to handle that check engine light. Or... Let's say it's not a check engine light. Let's say it's a cracked windshield. Other than the, the cracked windshield, is there anything that would stop you from buying the vehicle? Because now we're flushing out that objection. Well, it's the wrong color. Okay, other than the windshield and the color, is there anything? Well, no, that's kind of my main things. Well, let's put it on paper and see if and, – and you're just – you're trying to get them through the process. Because more times than not, they say, I don't want black. But the numbers are good enough. Now they're driving home a black truck or a black car because you're giving them a path to buy the vehicle. 
So when when you're switching units because something has a problem, try not to switch them right away. Find out other than that issue, is there any other reason why you wouldn't buy the car? You think you could work with that? I've always tried to just see if there's a way to we, we can get a quick fix because sometimes it is the windshield. And it's it's a good thing that I've built a good relationship with my windshield specialist. So I have his number and all that good nice. stuff. I'll be like, I'll take care of you. We'll take care of it. I know the windshield specialist. It'll get done within the week. Done. Okay. So, so you, you are learning some of those techniques. Um, but when you have customers that are giving you some heat on a particular vehicle, it, it drove weird. It, it kind of shuddered. Mm -hmm. Isolate it. Isolate that problem. Put a band-aid or a, a shield over it and find out, is this the only reason why you're not buying it? Because if you can isolate it, then you got something to work with. If you don't isolate it and they have five different things of why they don't want this truck and you're not isolating those five different things, then you can't sell the vehicle to them. So you got to ask, other than this shake, is there anything else that would stop you from buying it? Well, it has a cracked windshield. Okay. Other than that in the windshield, is there anything other? Well, I saw that the, the front headlight has moisture in it. Okay. Other than those three. Is there anything that would stop you? No, that's it. All right, let's 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 go put this on paper. I don't want to waste your time. Let's get all the information today and I'll let my manager come out and check these things and, and make sure that's something that we can address because what we can do is make your deal. You can buy the vehicle and on paper, it'll show that we're fixing the windshield. We're going to get that moisture out of there and we're going to fix and align your little shutter. Capiche? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great because you're giving them a path to buy the car. You're not stopping in the tracks and, and believing their objection. You, you isolate the objection and you keep moving on through your process. Don't be the reason why you stopped the car deal. Let them it do It makes me circle back to what you said in one of your, your, uh, your videos, because if there's more than way too much that they're listing, it brings me back to what you said in one of your videos. We're not order takers. We're sales makers. Mm -hmm. So I'm always like, okay, maybe this is the wrong vehicle if you're going to list X amount of things with this vehicle. Yeah. So And you can put it back on them. Well, the only reason I'm showing you this vehicle is because you told me you had a $10,000 budget. This is what $10,000 buys you nowadays. Now, is it a $10,000 budget because that's how much cash you have? Or is it that's how much... Uh, you think you could finance what kind of payment? And then you can kind of figure out, okay, you, you're saying you want to be a $400 payment and you have a 700 credit score. Let's shop for a $15,000 vehicle. Well, I can afford that. Yes. I'm the professional. I do this every day. You're the amateur, right? Remember that the customer has only bought in their lifetime, 10 to 15 vehicles. You've sold that in a month. Who is the professional? Who is the amateur? Let's guide these people through the sale. Let's guide them to, to, through the sale and, and put your salesman shoes on. Have you noticed in your career so far, so far there's a lot of order takers out there? There have been a couple. Um, a lot of people at my dealership, a lot of my coworkers, they're very experienced. They have a lot of um, longevity in the game, and they try their best not to lean towards being an order taker because yeah. they just know that that's not they, they they've been in the game long enough to know that that's not where you have to be you know that's not what you need to be doing so good um 
yeah, a lot of my, and that, which is a, another reason why I even, you know, consulted in you because I, I'm only, <laughs> I'm only six months in the game, like yeah. no prior sales experience. Everybody in my, on my team probably has a minimum of six to seven years of experience. It's so, a good dealership. Yeah, it's a good dealership. It is. Yeah. Dealerships that have minimums of six to seven years, that tells me that dealership pays well. That tells me the dealership, even though even though they're still a dealership and they're going to have all the political issues in there and whatever, they pay enough and care enough to to keep people. And so you're probably at a great dealership. And Ford is a great brand because you got a gamut of types of customers. You know, you sell models oh, yeah. Alpha Romeo, you're only dealing with the baby boomers. Or the guy that got lucky on crypto at Ford, you got you got the first time buyer up to the CEO buying a 450 for his ranch. Like you got everybody uh, yeah. and businesses. So you're at a good place. Dig your heels in, customize your desk, fall in love with your dealership, learn the story about your dealership and put out there content that, hey, I'm Xavier. I've only been working here for six months. Come give me a try. I may be new to the car business, but I'm not a fool. I can help you guys out, get you approved, get you an affordable payment, start putting content out there and become the local celebrity and be a salesman, man, and get out there and, and take, don't wait, take what's yours, right? Okay. Um, switching vehicles. I feel like we kind of, I mean, switching units might not be the right color. Just sell them what you got. If you don't have a red F-150 and you only got a blue, you got to put the salesman shoes on because you can't build a yeah. pre-owned. You just got to sell what you have and, and put your best foot forward and get them through that process. Because guess what? Once you run their credit, you can't unrun their credit. You've made it that far. Once you've done a test drive, you can't untest drive them. So you got to click, click. If this is the meet and greet and here's the end of the sale, click, click. Click. It can't go backward. You can't unmeet and greet somebody. Click. Mm -hmm. Product walk around. Demo drive. Get uh credit app. Get their payments. You can't undo that. You're pushing yeah. the deal forward by being a salesman, not an order taker. You're, you're and then next thing you know, they're in finance signing. You're cleaning up their car and putting gas in it. Like, how did I get here? He told me he wanted a blue F-150. He's leaving in a red Ram. Salesman sales titan someone that doesn't listen to the word no it's not no it's not right now and i'm going to speed up that not right now process to today by asking questions by flushing out objections by isolating the problems by overcoming anything this customer throws at me it's a whole package it's a whole package if you wait to close a deal at the desk with some trickery or some fancy words you've already screwed up there is no trainer, Xavier, that's going to give you a close that you're going to get to use, and it works every time. Yeah, right. It the, yeah. when I have my my notes on on uh, closing on payment, customers won't budge. I could go forever. I could go forever because every customer, like you said, is different. Everyone takes something different, but the only thing every close has in common is you. How much do they like you? And if they like you enough, they'll budge on payment. They'll budge on trade. They'll budge on color because they trust and like you. If I were to tell you, hey, Xavier, I know I've only known you for an hour in person, but there is a new crypto coming out. 
It's about to hit. It's going to hit tomorrow. It's going to come out. It's 0.0001 cent. Drop a grand on it because in three to four days, Microsoft's picking it up and they're going to, that thing's going to go, it's going to go crazy. If I built enough trust, would you spend a thousand dollars to possibly get rich? If I built enough, you know, if, if, yes, if, yes. Okay. If you sold me on it, you got to sell me on it. And then I'll, yeah, you're building a rapport with me, all that good stuff. Then, yeah, I'll move forward with you because you did your due diligence to show me that that crypto is going to yeah, okay, skyrocket. Now, okay, so I've known you for an hour in that. So I have to sell you on it a little bit, right? Yeah. Because I've only known you an hour. What if your mom told you or your dad told you? And that's that's a different weight, though, because we they've known me my whole life. I, so, I, But... but it wouldn't be a question of yet or your brother or someone that you're really close to that you mm -hmm. know wouldn't screw you over. Would you drop a grand like that? Because yeah, it, more off more times than one, they've led me to they haven't set me up for failure, but they've led me to success. Yes. Every time I've needed their help, they've helped me. And they've answered my questions that I, you know, I was in the dark about or whatever. So, okay, so you can see trust can pull a grand out of somebody that they didn't plan on spending that day. Trust. I can get a thousand dollars out of somebody if they trust me that they weren't going to spend today. Xavier wasn't about to drop a G until his mom said, dude, you're going to miss out on this opportunity. You have to buy it right now because Microsoft's about to buy this crypto and it's going to explode. All right, mom, where do I sign? Or dad or whoever, someone that you trust. So when you're building rapport with customers, yes, we have a small amount of time to build rapport, but you need to get to that trust level to where you're their advisor and they will listen to you. Sales come easier when they like and trust you and they and they see you as somebody that's uh, an authority that's really trying to help them. You get to that level in these people's minds, they the budget will go away. All these things will go away if, if you get them to absolutely love you. All right. I know we're coming up on the end. I got my notes like a mad scientist. Yeah. Okay. Almost there. Okay. This is a good yeah. one because I have a new guy that I'm helping through this, prospecting on equity leads and CRM. The key to phone calls and leads is just make the call. Okay. Make the stinking call because a lot of times salesmen will be like this. Texting, send. All right, I, know, I didn't hear back from that lead. Send text. All right, yeah, didn't hear, didn't hear nothing. Like you gotta, you gotta really try for it. And the whole point of you calling and texting and emailing is to sell the appointment, not the car. Do not try to sell the car. Do not try to sell the appraisal. Do not try to sell anything but the appointment. If a customer asks a specific question about a car, like, hey, do you have this in stock? And can you verify it's true blue? Of course. Boom, boom, boom. Yes, it's in stock. Yep. Hey, Bill, it's Kyle. At, at what's the name of your dealership? Tomball Ford. Tomball? Tomball. Tomball Ford. Tomball Ford. This is Kyle at Tomball Ford. How you doing, Bill? Oh, I'm doing great. Hey, your name came across my desk and it had a VIP tag next to it. You must be very important, Mr. Bill. 
Oh, yeah, 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 right? I'm fluffing them a little bit. Hey, it's, you had a question in there, but it got cut off a little bit. It was asking if the color was, and then it got cut off. What were you asking? I'm getting him engaged. Of course I know what he's asking. It says right there. But I'm trying to get this guy engaged with me. It says, uh, is this color, and then it it cuts off. What what color were you looking for? Oh, true blue. You know what? Let me. I'm going to run out there because I don't trust my computer all the time. You know how computers are. They're lying to us. It's all AI now, right? I'm going to run out there and put my hands on it. Is this the best number to reach you back at? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then did you have any other questions? No. Okay. Let me verify that. And then um, we'll, we'll figure out an appointment time. All right. Bye. I know it's true blue already. I know it's in stock, but I'm just trying to get this guy engaged with me and I'm trying to get him to to see that I'm trying to help him. Then when I call him back, it's it's a show, Xavier. I'm putting on a show. I'm putting on a show for these people. Hey, Bill, it's Kyle again. Hey, I got the truck pulled up. When can you get in? Right? You left the truck in this spot. It's in the back, still dirty. I'm just trying to get the appointment. What kind of numbers can you work on? This is Bill. Hey, what kind of deal can you make me on it? Bill, the best deal is in the showroom. When I have a file in my hand and a customer at my desk, my boss goes crazy on deals. I just need you here. What about my trade? Can you give me a ballpark? We don't deal in ballparks because a lot of times we're off. My boss wants to see it. If you want the maximum amount of value for your trade, you, it has to be here. Right? What am I selling? The appointment, for sure. Getting them in there so that they can get to your desk. Yep. Because what happens when I give them the appraisal over the phone? Oh, they're going to be like, oh, that's way too low. No, I don't even want to come. What happens when I give them the best price over the phone? They're, oh, they're, <laughs> they're going to say, can you go lower from that? Or <laughs> they shop or they shop that number somewhere. And someone, yes. someone beats me by 300 bucks and they drive over there for 300 more dollars. So if we already know that on these prospecting, these people, why in the heck will we give them that ammo? You got nothing going into the phone call. It's okay if you have nothing coming out of it because you can call the next person. You can call Bill back later. You can keep trying. But when you're on the phone, Xavier, remember, I am selling the appointment on this phone call. I am getting them in. I am turning my sales skills from a vehicle product to an appointment product. And I have to get these people in for me to be able to sell a car. Right? Hey, I know I know it's a risk coming all the way over here and, and not end up leaving in a car, but if you want the best deal, I just need you here, Bill. You got to understand how we do business. We don't sell all these cars every month because we're screwing people over. We're selling all these cars a month because we do killer deals and we're awesome at what we do. I just need you here. I need five minutes of your time. Bring your trade. Um, bring your payoff if you got one and just get in here. And when you start doing that and you can have a good conversation and you don't sound like a salesman, hi, is this uh, Bill Walters? Oh, yeah, this is Xavier at Tomball Ford. Uh, I would just see if you're interested in a vehicle. No. Get off the script. Have some fun. Be Xavier on the phone. Be what makes you be your meal ticket, you know, and have some fun with it. But the whole point of that phone call, Xavier, is to get him to get them in. So here's what we'll do real quick. Let's say I'm Bill and you're Xavier and you called me. What, what what would you normally say 
to get Bill, who has a paid-off F-150. Is your previous buyer? I don't know. Oh, shoot. Hold on. Do not disturb. Okay, go ahead. Because usually that, that is what I'll, I'll do if I see in my system that you're a previous buyer, but you weren't my customer. I'll reach out to you I'll be, and I'll say, hey, Bill, I noticed that, you know, you've been driving this F-150 for quite a while. Um, you know, let's see if we can upgrade you. Come on down to my lot, see what I can do for you. But I mean, I'm not going to open it like that. Of course, I'm going to be I'm going to ask him, hey, Bill, how are you doing? Are you still driving that F-150? And then they say. Yes, I am. I was like, okay, then I'll let them know. Hey, I mean, it's been quite some time. Would you want to return to my lot? Maybe I can see what I can do for you. Upgrade you into a better F-150. You still happy with your current vehicle? And then sometimes I'll get lost there, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? At least you're trying. Yeah. Like, okay. And that's the thing is sometimes I don't know. That was why I put that as the. Um, one of the, the training questions was because if it's not my previous customer, I can't say, Hey, you know what, when I was selling to you, you were going on a trip to Rome. How was that trip to Rome? Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So some of the most creative people on the planet are, they're also the richest. So you have to get creative with, with these people and think outside the box of not just being a sales pitch. So you can say stuff like this, Bill. This is Xavier at Tomball Ford. Hey, your name came across my system, and it shows that you bought a 2010 F-150. It shows 14 years ago. Do you still have it? Well, yeah, I still have it. Okay, perfect. The reason why I'm calling is my boss to just told the whole sales staff, my big boss, the guy that runs the whole show, I need older trucks. It's weird thinking of older trucks as 2010, but according to life, it's 14 years ago. So what he was saying is anybody that I can find and your name happened to pop up that had an older truck, get them in. I'm being retarded. I'm being ridiculous with numbers today, right? I'm just, I'm getting creative. I'm not saying, are you still driving the truck or are or, or you, would you think about possibly upgrading? The answer is going to be no, because he doesn't want to spend any money. But if you say stuff that's catchy, like a song has a catch, a hook. It's going to get people in. The song with no hook doesn't get played twice. The song with the hook, you want to sing. So when you when you have a customer on the phone, you need to find the hook. And no matter what car they have, hey, do you still got that, uh, that 2016 Ford Focus? You do? Okay, my big boss just said, anybody you can find with fuel-saving cars, get them in. He's going to get crazy with trading numbers. I don't know what his plan is, but he said, just call him. And your name popped across my desk, my screen. I was like, coincidence? I don't know. You can literally do that with anybody. My boss is looking for diesels. My boss is looking for hybrids. My boss is looking for two-wheel drives, anything. And you're just getting them amped up. Oh, shoot, really? I didn't think about trading it in, but if he's if he's going to get ridiculous with the numbers, I'll be right down. When can I get you in? I'm going to put you down for my appointment. I'll be right there. Creativity, Xavier. Get creative. Use that brain of yours to think outside the box and try new things because trying new things will open new doors. Opening new doors will usually equals more money. Instead of being black and white, 
they're hyping up the sales they're hyping up their vehicle mm-hmm. and you're hyping them up to get in rather than you know trying to sell them a vehicle yeah or making it seem like you're trying to sell a vehicle yeah it's all about that that diversion and blah 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 blah, blah. but you're getting them pumped up honey i'm heading over to uh, tom ball four to see xavier why he's his boss needs my truck all right next thing you know you're signing to the guy and and yeah he he hated his trade figure when he came in but you go back to the hey all these things are great but your trading number right you go back to those things and you become a salesman listen you were going to trade it in anyway eventually every vehicle becomes worth one dollar eventually they're all worth nothing no matter how nice it was new at least you're getting some money for it. I didn't realize it had body damage and et cetera, et cetera, and scratches and it needs tires. But at least we got you an affordable payment and boom, you're selling the guy because you sold the appointment, not trying to sell that car. Okay, so practice that, get creative, have fun, hype them up. If they come in and your manager says, I don't want this piece of junk, it's worth 500 bucks. You still got the guy in, you still had the opportunity to sell him. It's better than not having any appointments. I'd rather have 10 appointments, nine of them hate me, and one bought a car than no appointments. Looks so bad when you have zero appointments. I mean, because they ask. They will ask you. They will ask you. We have a meeting every Saturday, and every Saturday they ask us, how many appointments do you have? And it, it just looks so bad if you have zero on a Saturday. So. So hopefully this can yeah work on that and and review this video over and over and 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 check this out you will get to a point in your career where you'll look back at this video and be like wow I'm better than Kyle now it will happen if you keep training and training you'll look back at this one day and be like actually I improved on what Kyle said good for you because when that point comes who knows where both of us will be Right. We might both look at this training video in five years and be like, man, we were both amateurs. Xavier's a sales manager. Kyle's a GM. We're moving up. But hey, if we're moving up together, then it, I mean, what, what's wrong with that? This is what I'm talking about, man. We, we just forged a relationship, me and Xavier, for life. If I'm ever in your neck of the woods in Houston, guess who I'm coming to see? I'm coming to see you. And and maybe sure. maybe like you mentioned before, your managers hire me to come out and do a training session. You just never know what these connections can turn into, right? Xavier Motors, my name is Kyle. How can I help you? Yeah, I'm one of the sales guys here. Yeah, the owner's Xavier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like you never know what the future holds, Xavier, but if you keep training, staying positive and 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 looking at up here, not with the the muck is down here and the and the huddles and the the I hate my dealership. They don't pay enough. This doesn't grow. Always look towards the sky. Always be looking forward. And I will give you one last analogy because I like analogies. Have you ever made like a a little terrarium in in like a glass jar? You put dirt in it and you put little seeds and then it grows. I mean, I, <laughs> Even as a I've kid, raised a plant before. I haven't done that, no. no. Okay, like a plant, right? If yeah. you have a plant, a beautiful plant, and you put it in a jar, you put that plant in a jar, and it's it's got its own little ecosystem, how big can that plant grow? You can outgrow the jar. But if, I mean, it's in, if it's in the jar, how big can it grow? 
I mean, it only as far as it can, as far as the jar is. Yeah. So it, it can't grow past whatever the capacity of the jar is. Exactly. So you have a plant in this beautiful glass jar. The plant can only get that big. The, the glass mm-hmm. stops it. You take that plant out and you put it in a bigger jar. What happens? It grows to that jar. You eventually take that plant out, stick it in the ground. It has unlimited potential. It can grow as big as 100 feet tall if it's a tree, 200 feet tall if it's a redwood. I mean, there's no end to it. So what I'm getting at with you and your career, don't ever cap yourself as, oh, I'm just a, you know, I'm a 10 car guy or I'm a 12 car guy. I'm a sales guy. No, man, I'm a 30 car guy. I have no limit. I'm going to make $20,000 a month. This is my mentality. You can laugh at me, but I'm only going to surround myself with people that want to go to the top. I'm only going to surround myself with management that sees value in, in, and they're obsessed like me and you. I'm going to hang around these people because I don't want to be stuck in the jar at 10 cars a month for the rest of my life, repeating my first year in the car business for 30 years. I want to be continually growing. Keep training, Xavier. Keep doing what Xavier does. Nothing can stop a man on a mission. Right? You're right. I mean, that, I mean, that was that was my my mindset uh, when my when my hiring manager hired me. I was just like, man, I'm with a bunch of big dogs. Like I got to go full force. I got to do what I got to do to be able to to sell like they do because we've got some pretty good salesmen at my dealership. So, yep. you know, I'm I just I'm always trying my best to be better every day. So good. And, and, and also, too, if you are in the car business one year, but you've done two years worth of training and, ex, and experience, then you're already past the guy that's been there two years after one year because you have two years of experience. Well, if you continually train and continually practice and get that experience, eventually you're going to surpass the guy that's been there eight years in three years because you have more knowledge up here. Keep feeding this sucker up here. Podcasts, trainings, uh, whatever you can get, man, off the Internet or or people around you. Look for the best and, and work with them. And remember, don't cap yourself. You can be better than the best out there. Have that mentality. What's your number one guy there? How many cars a month does he sell, or girl? It's um, it's funny because I migrated my desk right across from his, just so I could kind of you know, yeah, like marinate and maybe get catch a, a little bit of his groove and kind of you know integrate it into mine. Um, but I think he's selling. Man, I I just I, he he it fluctuates, but it's always a high number. Yeah, and I think he's selling minimum twenty cars a month. Minimum, yeah. he'll sell more than twenty a month. But I think, um, I think for the week he sold for in one week he sold ten once. Wow, I witnessed him sell ten once, and I was just like, man, I just I don't know how he does it when he gets when he gets a customer. That customer is not going to leave without a vehicle. Like that's a salesman. I, yeah. And I just I I'm always aspiring to either just like you said either be like him or beat him. You know yeah. what I mean? And I got I just I'm trying to get the tools to be able to get to that level. You know what I mean? Oh, you so, will, you will. And and do you think this guy's getting lucky? No, he. You know what? I I can't say it's all luck because nope. um he he knows what he's 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 just a heck of a salesman. He he knows what like I I've seen him just 
I asked one of my old managers, I was just like, man, he makes it so easy. And my manager said, he makes it easy or do you make it difficult? And I was like, man, that's a good question. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm still trying to study him, but he can be like very, um, I guess, low key because he doesn't want nobody to beat him, you know? So that that and what's cool about when a guy is at 20 cars a month average, that tells me that your dealership can support a guy that does 20 cars a month. You know, some dealerships, they don't have enough business to support a guy that does 20. He, those guys have to move on to a bigger dealership. So at least I know your dealership has the cap, cap, capability to do that, which tells me if if there's a 20 car guy there, there could be a 25 car guy there or a 30 car guy there. And that could be you if you do the tools right and become that local celebrity and you do everything in your power to become obsessed with the car business, you will get there. You will get there. Anything else, Xavier? I think that is everything that we were supposed to cover. So um, I don't know if I, if that, I don't know how you wrap things up because I've never made it to the end all the way because I'm always (laughs) listening to your podcast at work. And then in the middle of it, I'll have a sale come in. Right. You know so, what? I, I usually wrap it up by saying thank you for hiring me. I appreciate it. And to all my listeners out there, I just want to say thank you. Because to be honest, when I started the podcast, I didn't know if anyone was going to listen. I had no idea. And then I got I got a message like, hey, I listen to your podcast. I really like you. You have a good voice. I'm like, okay, there's somebody out there that appreciates me. And then all of a sudden, I started getting more and more and more. I realized maybe I am kind of good at podcasting and helping people. but. If if you saw the analytics of what Spotify pays and, and what my books pay and all that, you'd be like, why does Kyle do this? I do it because of this. I do it for the people because at some point I was new and at some point someone helped me. So something in my chest, in my heart, my mind says I need to help other people, whether it makes me poor or not or rich. I don't that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I want to help people get better. And if the if the if in the end it helps me financially, so be it. If not, I'm still doing the podcast. So I just want to say thank you, Xavier, for hiring me. I hope you guys uh, out there like this episode. We'll see if Xavier wants to make it public or not. You can review it. But other than that, man, enjoy your day. I know it's late over there in Texas. Uh, yeah, I gotta wake up tomorrow for the dealership and all that good stuff. You'll be um, on cloud nine tomorrow, man. Uh, yeah, no. Once I get in tomorrow, I'm just be like. All right, we had this training session. Boom, boom, boom. So I'll send, um, I'll send you the link, buddy. Yes, sir. I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Kyle. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Xavier. Have a good night, sir. You too. Thank you. Bye.